I recently came across a Harvard Business Review statistic that said that 80% of employee turnover is due to a bad hire. I mean, just think about that. That makes making the right hire the first time essential to the success of your organization. And today's podcast is for those that want a better hiring process, a more accurate, a more reliable, and a process that you can trust to make the right hire the first time. Welcome back to the Stop the Vanilla podcast. I'm Steve Van Remortal. This podcast will give you the knowledge, the templates, and the practical steps to achieve what you want in your business, your career, and your life by having the right plan implemented by the right talent. Welcome to the Stop the Vanilla podcast. Uh, In the opening, I talked about this Harvard Business Review statistic that 80% of employee turnover is due to a bad hire. I mean, just think about that for a second. We're all trying to retain our talent, right? Talent retention, that measurement's one of the top measurements we see in most organizations. And 80% of turnover, that number is due to a bad hire. So making the right hire the first time is essential to the success of your organization. And because of this stat and the impact it has on your organization, it could be argued that your hiring process is the most important process in your whole company. And our belief here at STV Advisors and Stop the Vanilla is that a great process leads to a great process. And so a hiring process, laying out your hiring process and building a process that you can trust that helps you make the right hire the first time is essential to your success. And so today's podcast is for those that either want to define their hiring process and implement a hiring process or if you want to make your process better, you want to make your process more accurate and reliable than it's ever been before. Because making the right hire the first time is essential uh, to the success of your business. Now, when I look at a hiring process, I really see three high-level steps. The first step is really defining what we need to hire. What does an optimum performer look like in the position? And really defining in advance what we need. The second high-level step is building the candidate pool. And how are you going to go about that? And then the third step is really the interviewing and selection process. It's having a thoughtful interviewing and selection process that helps you make the right hire the first time. And so I see the hiring process in those three high-level steps. Preparing for the search, preparing for the process, defining what you need, building the candidate pool, and then going through the interviewing and selection process. Those are the three high-level steps. So the first step is really figuring out what you need to hire. What does an optimum performer look like in the role? And that is around defining the key accountabilities of the role and then benchmarking the role and really understanding. uh, It's almost like painting a bullseye of what you want in the position and then measuring every candidate against that bullseye. Um, and so the first step in, uh, in your hiring process is really spending time on making sure that you've defined what you need in the role. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's crazy how many organizations will start a search and not define what they need in a role, and then they'll experience the pain from not doing that during the process. So there may be a disagreement on what we need. Um, it's tough to pick the right candidate because we haven't defined what a bullseye looks in the role. So 
defining the key accountabilities for a role, job benchmarking the role, and painting a picture of what an opt performer looks like in a role is essential. And it's so essential, the process, that in, in my next podcast, we're going to talk about how to do that specific step because of the importance of defining what you need in the role. Um, today, I really want to just focus on a high-level overview of the hiring process so that you can implement any of these steps. Uh, and then in the next podcast, I'm going to come back to the key accountabilities and job benchmarking process. So again, that first step is really defining ahead of time what we need and really understanding exactly what we need in the role. Then the second step is really about building the candidate pool. And I see companies getting very creative in how they build candidate pools. A lot of organizations will use a recruiter. Uh, I think recruiters are effective. I think it's important that you use you know, a, a, the right recruiter for the position. Um, or a lot of companies handle the recruitment of the, of the candidates on their own. It's whatever you have the resources to do to build the best candidate pool. So the second step is really building a candidate pool. And in today's tough talent environment, that is a critical decision for you to make. Um, and then the third step, as we talked about, is really once the candidate pool's built, um, going through the interviewing and selection process. And so that's really the, the focus of today's podcast is giving you a bunch of content around once you have your candidate pool, how do you make sure that you hire the right person the first time? And so the first step is really um, the first interview. So once you have your candidate pool, you want to go through your candidates, uh, the resumes and the, and the content that they send you, and really rank the candidates based on hard skills. Um, do they have the experience and the education that you need in the role uh, to be successful? And so we call those hard skills. And so you rank the can once you get the resumes, let's, let's just go with the, that there's four candidates for the role. You rank those four candidates uh, based on um, order of who has the best hard skills and experience to get there. Um, so let's say you got in 10 resumes and you rank them based on hard skills and you get to the top four. The natural cutoff a lot of times seems kind of obvious. Um, and then, so you rank the top four and then you have your first interview. Now, our recommendation is, is that first interview, you do not have to incur expense in that first revenue. We believe that uh, with today's video technology, be it Skype, GoToMeeting, FaceTime, whatever, that that first interview can be done via some type of video. Um, you don't necessarily have to bring them in for it. And that first interview is really focused on um, the hard skills. Do they have the technical ability to do the job? Because if they don't have the technical ability to do the job, um, and other candidates do, we're going to want to talk to those candidates that have the technical ability because it reduces the ramp up into the position. Um, and so do they have the technical ability to do the job? And so the way that I do the first interview, and I recommend our clients do the first interview, is, um, is start at the bottom of the resume. Talk to them about their education, uh, why they get the degree, um, you know, why they went maybe from right high school into the workforce, depending on what their education is, and then work your way up. Um, and you're looking for gaps in their, in their uh, work experience, um, because I always think that if a person's hiding something, they don't put it on their resume and you discover that, you know, what else are they trying to hide by not putting it on their resume? Um, and so understanding the dates that the date that they graduated from college and when they took their first position and then just walking through each role that they in their experience that they had and really getting a sense of their hard skills 
getting a sense of did they move on from a company because they got a promotion, it was an advancement, or was there an issue at that previous company? So the first interview should be about 45 minutes long, very quick, very easy, and it focused just, just on the hard skills. And the objective of the first interview is to come out of that interview with three to four candidates that technically can do the job tomorrow. And then I also like recommend having a compensation discussion, um, you know, just understanding the compensation parameters to make sure that you guys are in the same ballpark. Now, if you're using a recruiter, a lot of times that'll be handled for you. If you're not using a recruiter, that's a, comp- a conversation you want to have in the first interview. So we've had our first interview. We got our top, let's say that through the first interview, we weeded out a couple candidates and we got a top, our top three candidates. So at that point, we have our top three candidates take behavioral science assessments. Now, why should we use behavioral science in the hiring process? And the answer is really simple. It's to make it objective. Um, I estimate that most hiring processes get about 50% of the information that you need to make the right hire and the most informed hiring decision that you can make. By using behavioral science and customized interviewing, we estimate that you can get to about 90% of the information that you need to make the most informed decision. I always like to say that about 20% of the information is illegal to ask, but by asking good legal interviewing questions, you can get a majority of the information you need to make the most informed hiring decision, which at the end of the day as a hiring manager, that's your job, right? To make the most informed hiring decision. So using behavioral science makes your process objective. It also allows you to get a lot more information about the candidate to make the most informed hiring decision. And most importantly, which is coming up here as a next step, is you get to do customized interviewing. And I'll dive into that a little bit when we get to that point in the process. Um, If you have a need for or questions around how to use behavioral science assessments or you want to purchase some behavioral science assessments, email us at info at stopthevanilla.com and we'll help you with that. Um, But when you use behavioral science assessments, it's all about using the right tool and the right process. And behavioral science does not help you. The behavioral science does not make any decisions for you. It just helps you make more informed decisions. Now, in the behavioral sciences that uh, we use and recommend, uh, they're the most advanced in the industry, number one, which that's our decision because we're making light. We're helping people make decisions, uh, big time decisions about their life and their career and their advancement and so forth. And so we want to use tools that we can trust. Um, And these tools come in the leadership version, they come in a sales version, and they come in a staff version. So depending on what the role is, we'll determine what assessments you use. Now, when it comes to hiring different levels of positions, so hiring maybe an entry level versus an executive team member or leadership team member, I believe that the process should stay relatively the same. But what might change... uh, based on the differences of the level of position is the amount of sciences that you use. So for an entry level position, I may use one science. Um, For a leadership role position, I may use three, four, even five sciences to make sure that we make the right hire because the cost of a bad hire is averaged at three to five times annual salary. So making a little bit more investment up front to make sure we make the right hire on the larger, more expensive hires to me is just, it's like having insurance, right? It's, you don't want, you don't necessarily like to pay for insurance, but you're sure glad you have it. Um, and so based on the level of position that you're hiring, uh, you may uh, use more or less sciences based on the level. And then once each uh, candidate takes the assessment, so they go online, and the assessments that we use for the hiring process take about 20 to 30 minutes to take for the candidate. 
Uh, and then all the, all the results come in, and then we run what we call a gap report. And a gap report is where we run the assessments of the candidate against what an optimum performer looks like in the position. And I mean, so if you're using three sciences, you have you know, about 80 pages on the candidate, and then if you're using a gap report that adds another 20 pages, so you got 100 plus pages on each candidate. Um, and so you're going to make, the chance of you making the right hire the first time just dramatically increase because of the content that you have. And so the gap report illustrates um, where the candidates match the benchmark and what you need in the role and where they don't. Um, and if you hire them, where their growth opportunities are and their development plan needs to be. So, um, so that's how you get prepared for the interview. So when you come into the second interview now, you st when you start getting prepared for that second interview, you got three candidates, um, they've taken the assessments, you got all the assessment results, and then you, st you analyze the assessments and you start um, creating customized interview questions. And the, the old way of interviewing is kind of asking the same questions to every candidate. And, you know, what are your strengths and um, those types of things. And, you don't need to ask the question, what are your strengths? The, the behavioral science results tell you all that. The way that you interview today and moving forward is you interview for the gaps. Does the candidate have self-awareness of their gaps? Um, do they understand their blind spots? Are the, do they have techniques to overcome their blind spots? Um, I don't need to know their strengths and a lot of the information that, you know, of the old day questions. I used to really candidly, I used to really dislike interviewing because it was, you know, like an hour conversation and you ask the same question and you get the same answers. Customized interviewing changes all of that because every candidate's different. Every candidate will have different gaps, different blind spots, and therefore every interview should be different. And so when you get to this point in the process, it's really about picking the interview questions that fit this specific candidate and you're interviewing to the gaps. If I got a candidate that understands their gaps and talks about how they overcome their blind spots, um, and then I have a candidate that is, just has no idea on their self-awareness at all and doesn't understand their blind spots, this, this candidate that has awareness is gonna be the one that gets the job because self-awareness is a key to not only making the right hire, but then developing them and them being open to coaching and further development. Because I can guarantee you within a couple months after the hire's made, those gaps are going to um, show themselves. And that's when the, the right candidate will be able to overcome those gaps. Or you'll be able to have a conversation with them about that gap because you had the conversation with them in the interview. And so that's where customized interviewing is really critical. And so in prep for the second interview, um, you use uh, what we, we have a customized interview question library that has about three to 400 interview questions based on the specific gap that you're interviewing for. So if I have a position that requires a higher dominance, a higher D in the disc, um, I'd go to my interview question interview and, I, and somebody has a low D and the position wants a high D, you know, what's the toughest personnel, personnel issue you ever had to deal with? How did it end? What did you learn from it? So again, you're interviewing to the gaps. And we provide this library to all of our, our clients uh, because we want to help them be as independent in their hiring process and all of their talent management processes as possible. Um, so there's a continuum of being totally independent or using STV advisors to help you through the process. And um, the primary objective of our Shepherd of the Talent training, which we do twice a year, is to help our clients be as independent in the process. And we train them on the IDS system, which is how to you know, 
send out a report, run a report, analyze the reports. And so we can train you on how to do all of that. So we have a, a lot of clients that we really don't talk to on a monthly basis because they're doing this all themselves. So that is clearly an option for you if you want to go down the path of leading and managing your own talent management system. So when we get to that second interview, we got, the, we got our customized interview questions for each candidate, and they're going to be different because all candidates will have different gaps. And then the first thing I do when I'm in a, when in a second interview is, is um, as part of my introduction, I tell my story. So, and so that's what I want them to do. I'm going to ask them to tell me their story. And so I tell my story to illustrate to them, to show them how I would like them to tell their story. So I tell them where I was born. I tell them what growing up was like. I tell them how growing up shaped who I am today. Um, what were my you know, greatest joys and what were my greatest failures and learnings. And so in about 10, 10 minutes, I introduce myself to them. I share my story with them. I create this more of a conversation tone. Um, and then when I say to them, hey, tell me your story, they automatically know where to go because I just showed them how to do it. And one of the reasons that a candidate telling you their story is critical is because it's it created their behavioral science assessment results. So I always like to say, and I feel this in an interview, is when I'm interviewing a candidate, it's like their behavioral science assessment results result starts dancing on the table. It's like you can hear by the words they use, by the things they tell you, by what their childhood was like, it all shaped who they are today. And so it it's just a really cool process. Matter of fact, I I will never do a hiring process without using behavioral science assessments because it's a game changer. And I've had a ton of leaders that once they feel this experience of a customized interview and the value and the depth of conversations they have with a candidate, um, they never want to go back. And they call me right afterwards and say, man, that was awesome. Um, and then they just keep doing it and they do it on their own because we've coached them uh, on how to do it and trained them on how to do it. So you're in the second interview. You use the opportunity to tell your story and then they tell their story. And then um, you go through your – after they tell their story and you understand everything about them and obviously you're going to use some probing questions in there um, – and then you use the customized interview questions that we went through. And we've had all the customized interview questions reviewed by an employment law attorney. And so they're all legal. They're all legit. And you just want to make sure that you ask the right questions uh, regarding their gaps. Um, and I'll just tell you that you'll never have an interview like a customized interview process. And you will cherish it when you get good at it because it shortens the interview. It makes it much more concise. And you're getting to the things that are going to make this hire go wrong if they do right away. I walk out of a, custom, a second interview, customized interview process um, with a high degree of confidence, um, very high degree of confidence that this is our candidate or it is not. And so once you finish the interview, asking the customized interview questions, then you sit down and you evaluate, you fill out the evaluation form. And in our evaluation form, we put 33% on hard skills. So you've rated that in the first interview. And then we put 33% on behavioral fit. And we put 33% on cultural fit. And so we look at it across several different facets. And the evaluation form requires you to grade each candidate uh, on a one to 10 scale on how they fit the role from a hard skill perspective, from a behavioral fit perspective, and from a cultural fit perspective. And then we recommend that the hiring, the interviewing team get together um, and go over your evaluation forms and see who each of you has ranked on the highest. Now, one thing that I quickly want to discuss here is that I am not a big fan of group interviews. 
Um, I am I, and because I've been through those, use those. Um, to me, when you use customized interviewing, it allows you to create this connection with the candidate, and you're going to be asking them some questions that they never heard before. Um, and so if they're in a group interview and you're, you're asking those types of questions, you're going to get high-level, very vague uh, answers to the questions. If you're in a one-on-one -on -one interview and you just got done telling the candidate your story and you've made a connection and now, you, now they're telling you their story, you're going to get very heartfelt, very thoughtful answers. And you're going to be asking them questions that they don't, they did not prepare an answer for because these are very unique, very focused questions on who they are. And when they don't have a prepared answer, they give you the answer from their heart. They give you the, their, their very thoughtful answer from their heart. Um, and that's what you want. And, uh, and that's what makes customized interviewing so powerful. So um, not a big fan of group interviewing. I'm a real big fan of one-on-one -on -one and really having a just a very candid, honest conversation about how they would fit into this role and our organization. After you complete the second interviews, you sit down, as I said, and you evaluate and you rank the candidates. Typically at that point, um, companies have a pretty good idea on who their number one candidate is. So you'd go through the reference checks and the background checks. And a lot of this depends on the level of position. Um, so are you doing a criminal record, driving record, um, education verification? That, that all depends on the level of the position. Um, and there's really good services out there that can help you do all that. Now, when you get to this point, um, teams may need a a third interview, but rarely do you need a third interview after customized interviewing. But I do recommend to our clients that they um, the, the, their next uh, interaction with their top candidate would be in a social setting, maybe going out for dinner with them and their significant other, um, and just see how they they you know handle themselves in a social environment, and you know get all the interview questions aside and get all that, and just really have a conversation and get to know the person. Um, and that, that is my recommendation if you need another uh, round of exposure to your candidates. Um, and then, then we start preparing the, the offer sheet, um, and we make the offer to the candidate. Um, and we talk really in that offer conversation, there's really conversation about, hey, when this gap comes up, when that gap comes up, and you talk about how this whole thing's going to work and how you two are going to connect working together. Um, and you make the offer and you go through the negotiations. And again, I'm skipping over this part. There's a lot of other stuff we could talk about here. But again, I wanted to give you high-level process. And then depending on the level of position, you may have a contract or an agreement that may include non or confidentiality, uh, non-disclosure, non-compete, non-pillage, those types of things. Um, and that's all. those are all good things to consider. Now, my call to action to you today out of this podcast is really understanding the impact of making a bad hire in your organization. So if we go back to that stat from the start of our podcast, that 80% of turnover is from a bad hire. Through the right hiring process, you can address 80% of your turnover issues. I mean, think about that. So define your hiring process and improve it every time you execute it. I can't tell you, uh, when you repeat the same hiring process three or four times, you're gonna learn where you missed something how you could have done better. Anytime we use the customized interviewing process and, and the hire doesn't work out, which is very rare. I mean, we put, we analyze and measure everything here and we put talent analytics in place with our clients. And I mean, they're 90, 90 plus percent on hiring accuracy and making sure they make the right hire the first time. 
But whenever a hire doesn't work out, we often can look back and say, yeah, we knew that going in. We knew that was going to be an issue. But at the time, this was the right candidate. And so you keep learning and you keep making your hiring process better until you get it to a point where you can trust your hiring process. And so you will able to, by measuring the results of your hiring process, you will be able to define in dollars the return on investment you, you received from a proven hiring process. Here at Stop the Vanilla and STV Advisors, we want to be a resource to help you achieve what you want in your business, your career, and life with the right plan and right talent. And the right talent really comes down to making the right hire the first time. So let us know how we can help you make the right hire the first time. Thank you for listening to the Stop the Vanilla podcast. If today's episode would bring value to someone you know, make sure to pass it on to them. If this podcast has brought you value, make sure you leave a review, helping others find it as well. If you want to receive our content, head over to StopTheVanilla.com and sign up for The Scoop, a weekly email of quick tips on strategy, talent, and leadership. Or download a ton of free resources and templates. Thanks again for tuning in to the Stop The Vanilla podcast, where we help you achieve what you want in your business, your career, and your life by having the right plan implemented with the right talent.